0: You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 258 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast, coming to you on time at, on the 12th of April. <laughs> Almost at it, Raj. How you doing?
0: Let's see. You made me read a bunch of comics about someone that neither of us likes. It's not just that you're trying to torment me, unless you didn't even bother reading it.
1: <laughs> you know, I really need to do that one of these days.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't put it past you.
1: Yeah, this is uh, – I figured to kind of cleanse our palates after the movie. I've seen a lot of people talking about this particular comic as kind of the counterpoint to Superman's betrayal, betrayal, (laughs) portrayal in the film. And that is Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. It was originally released in 1986. It ran across issue 423 of Superman and 583 of Action Comics, written by Alan Moore, art by Kurt Swan, and a handful of other artists. And this is one of those iconic comics that I never quite got around to reading, so I figured, eh, let's throw it in there. What's the worst that could happen? I I don't get it. I don't see what the big deal was about this. I, The whole concept of this was to be the last, air quotes, Superman story so that they could relaunch him. Uh, I think it was... I want to say John Byrne, maybe Kurt Busiek, one of those guys, Byrne. relaunched the new Man of Steel comic to kind of bring in a new era for Superman. Kind of like what they did with Dark Knight Returns, following that with Batman Year One. But I, eh, I, I didn't care one bit about this story. <laughs> and even then, it was
0: it was just weird. We don't like Superman. So True. we're reading this already with that going against it. And on top of that, well,
1: every time I read
0: one of these iconic wasn't Superman done. comics, I
1: know <laughs> I go in with the mindset of maybe this will be the one <laughs> to find where I finally figure it out and, and find an attachment to the character. So I, I do go in with the best of expectations. I don't come out with them.
0: Well, this has got going back to my point a lot of things going against it. It's not just that it is a character that we don't care about. It is playing it off again, like it's going to end, which we plainly know a, it wouldn't just not because of a, it's in the past. And we know that they did the other thing. Also they, they advertise it. And at this point now, this is an old hat trick. I mean, this is, constantly rebooting so it's nothing new it's a concept that we don't even like and then the writing i know that moore was the one of the premier writers of the time and there are elements that are very good about this but there's also a ton of telling versus showing and like you, you keep being told the story versus seeing it organically happen. And then on top of that, it's just very cheesy in a lot of poignant parts where you're like, oh, my God, this is Some so Superman. Some of the Superman. cheesiness I would accept because
1: that's how Superman was written back in the day. You know, Silver Age Superman was cheesy and goofy and I, I can accept that. It doesn't mean I liked it, but it it, it wasn't a negative per se.
0: Uh, it was for me still. because mm-hmm. again yeah that's how he was written for a lot of years decades but the fact is is that this was written in 80 what four i believe six whatever the hell it is mm-hmm. so Catch. this was written at the same time he was writing Watchmen <laughs> yeah so that's what i mean no the writing should have been better so i really again i wasn't crazy about it And I wasn't, I I just, I wasn't crazy about the story itself, not just elements of how it was written and such. And the, again, the show don't tell thing that is pretty much a staple. I just didn't like the story. It was so, it it sang a lot when you're like, it was really far-fetched for this kind of thing for a Superman thing. But it really was, it just didn't make sense. And the image of Batman and Robin hitting the force field with their little <laughs> sticks is like, oh my god, this is just the icing on the cake for this. This what I think about this.
1: <laughs> the framing device for the story is Lois giving an interview. What
0: do they say? Ten years after the fact,
1: some some amount of time after Superman is gone and supposedly has been killed, and telling you know what happened during his last day and. <laughs> It's funny because this comic tries really hard to be dark at points. I mean, you have Bizarro straight-up committing suicide. You have Toy Man and the Prankster killing one of Clark's friends uh, in an effort to unmask him as Superman. You have Brainiac taking over Lex Luthor's body and using him as a meat puppet. A horde of Metallos assaults the the Daily Planet in in a vicious attack. And it's... (laughs) It just never works because it's Superman and it's this big, brightly colored, you know, adventure. It, it The tone never quite gets to the point where it feels
0: right. The Sticking with that, one of the other things that I, I didn't like was this idea that they had to tie every single mm-hmm. knot for every single villain. And that makes it makes no sense. I mean, if your hero dies, they may die with absolutely no, uh, well, not being tied, uh, and and that's just the way it is. And that would have been far more realistic. Fine, you want to resolve one villain, maybe two, okay, then he goes out with a bang, so to speak. But this is all of them. It's just trying to tie off all. Every single villain loose end, and I just thought that was, again, ridiculous. I just, I didn't like that at all. hmm
1: And it all culminates in Superman taking uh, Jimmy, Lana, Perry White, and Lois to the Fortress of Solitude to protect them. At which point, the siege of the Fortress of Solitude begins, where uh, Metallo... Not Metallo, uh, Brainiac, the Kryptonite Man, who I didn't even know he was a thing. <laughs> and the Legion of Supervillains from the future come to attack because it's being from the future. They know this is the day Superman falls to his greatest enemy. It's it's stupid, but I actually did like the scene where the Legion of Superheroes showed up coming from the future to present him like with this award because they know this is a time where you know he's going to need – Yeah, They basically say you're going to die without saying it and also the stuff with Kara because this was not long after the crisis when Supergirl had died. So I actually did like that one
0: small scene. Then you liked more than I did. (laughs) I'm sorry. It was cliched. I'm reading it going, oh, come on, seriously, especially when they bring it up later on as the – quote unquote clue to save him kind of thing. Yes.
1: That like, that was a that was a little heavy handed.
0: It would, all was. It all was. I mean right to the very end. You're like, oh my God. Oh,
1: it gets it gets worse because I mean there's a body count here. Jimmy and Lana die. They they end up killing Lex Luthor in the process. It's it's brutal. Crypto, the freaking dog rips out the kryptonite Tonight, yeah, man, crypto throat. goes cujo
0: on that guy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and we find out that no, Superman's real greatest enemy is Mister Mittelek. <laughs> like, I, I was, I was ready to be done with it. I was like, you got to be frigging kidding me! This is, this is the big climax, the stupid cue <laughs> of yep. the Superman universe, and even the ending is dumb because Superman realizes, Oh, I have to send him to the phantom zone. And when he does that missile flick, and I know I'm pronouncing that wrong and I don't care enough to pronounce it correctly, (laughs) tries to jump back to his dimension and being caught between the dimensional fabrics rips him apart and he dies. And Superman blames himself for the death because he wanted that. Like, it, it didn't even make its own sense within its own weird logic. For, I, I okay. read this a couple times trying to make sense of it
0: and I didn't. See, let's, let's start off here with the the obvious with all the deaths and, and maulings.
1: <laughs> yes. yes it's, it, like I said, it's a list.
0: The, the series has spent – had spent – decades being pristine for the most part in how it dealt with death, all kinds of things like that. I mean, the, the big point at the end where he decides to, well, presumably end his own life at the end, because he betrayed one of his commandments shows how important that was throughout the entirety of the series. One would assume then that that means it was important to the fans of the series. Mm-hmm. That it's something that they respected. It'd be the same as it's having something ba- I've
1: heard no <laughs> shortage of over the last couple of years involving the movies.
0: Yeah, so it'd be the same as putting guns on Batman and having him go bat crazy. Nobody would be shoot dumb enough to do that, unless it was a dream sequence. <laughs> but anyways, it's the same kind of thing. So putting the quote-unquote, final episode, final series um, uh, issue, I should say. Sorry, <laughs> Jesus, I'll take out that massive gap there because my brain didn't want a brain. Um, anyways, but taking all that into consideration and then in the final issue, filling it up with as much death as you can because that's an easy fix. There's no, you don't have to worry about loose ends there. Just kill them all off is piss poor writing. It's mm-hmm. just lazy and goes against everything that the series stood for at the time. And I know that again, especially more trying to be edgier and, and, and preach from his soapbox kind of thing, but come on, like you got to respect what it is that you're writing as well. And then going back to what I was saying at the end too, of, making such a big deal about he killed Mixoplex. I, I'm not even going to try and even less than you. Um, he tried, he, he killed him, which like you said to the explanation of that death is ridiculous. Re- t- that's, that's rolling some pretty impressive dice there with <laughs> like, how okay, how's he going to bite it? Boom. Torn between dimensions. Sounds good. um, Just utter stupidity. But the fact that he would then kill himself over this is, again, preposterous. Absolutely preposterous. Plus, in my mind, really makes light of suicide. Yeah. And you shouldn't do that. I don't care if it's the 80s or now. It really makes light of you know oh, I did this thing that I said I'd never do I gotta put myself yeah, down for might it. Might
1: as well wrap it up here yeah not Time so to much to hit the old dusty trail yeah
0: no if injustice has taught us anything it just makes him stronger <laughs> but, uh, but yeah so again and, and right down to the eye wink at the end where he's oh, really not geez. dead is utter stupidity utter stupidity I hated it
1: yeah, maybe if the story had been punctuated with a death, like I, I can see that as OK, this, you know, if you're going to do a big climactic end of Superman story, someone's got to die. Let's be honest. But, yeah, but it was, then it would it be was impactful. such a trail of broken bodies. It was it, it became overwhelming. It was like it, it lost any impact it could have had.
0: Yeah, it could have been very impactful if one person had died. If you know, and and like Lexor, but Lexor, Lex Luthor, my god, no, seriously, this is a lot of painkillers. Which I just finished the second (laughs) dose as we were talking. Um, if, if Luther had been the only one to die, and you see the shocking neck break, that would be like, holy crap, they actually killed off Lex. Good on them, that would have been. That would have been good and allowed still for Brainiac to continue. But it's like you said, it's literally a trail of bodies throughout this, these two issues and it it doesn't work. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I I think we've said everything we need to about this. We didn't like it. And I promise I will never let you make you read another Superman comic again. Sure. Yeah, I'm not going to keep that promise. There's a new one coming out in a couple months. And a couple of months after that, I will never make you read an
0: old Superman comic again. How's that- okay. Did you read the other issues that were in that trade as well? No oh,
1: as soon as I saw they weren't relevant, I packed it up. man
0: I read them <laughs> I, I with each issue with each page, I hated you more and more. <laughs> oh my God, although it did explain that crazy plant. That is, that was on Supergirl not that long ago. That while it's on you, it's a symbiote kind of thing. And you live in whatever your fantasy would be. And basically it feeds off of you kind of thing. And so that plant is in here. So it was like, ah, that's where that came from. Too bad it's associated to a freaking stupid issue. I remember it from the cartoon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. As for what we're reading, that wasn't a whole lot that really caught my interest this past week, but there was one comic I want to talk about, and that's The Fix. It's a new comic out from Image. It's written by Nick Spencer, art by Steve Lieber, and it's basically reuniting the team from Superior Foes of Spider-Man, which I absolutely loved during its run, just because it was weird, it was different, and I like that kind of stuff, especially from the big two. So I wanted to see what they were going to do with their own creation. Nick Spencer is a writer I don't like. (laughs) I've tried to like him. At points, I thought I liked him. But the more I read his work, the more I realize now he's he's not for me. And Superior Foes was different because it was a very different comic. It was a comedy. It wasn't a serious story. It wasn't a traditional superhero tale. It was just a goofy adventure with some c-list supervillains and his partnership with Lieber and the art really really made that what it was It, it had that that physical almost slapstick storytelling that just made it fun so Here, we have a story about these two corrupt cops that are the worst criminals you'll ever see. And it has that same feel without being a retread of what they've done before. It's goofy. It's irreverent. Of course, being an image comic, they have to push the boundaries. Like, there's one scene where I was like, what the hell are you doing? Why is this here? But it was so weird and goofy. I was like, all right. You know, that was me probably a little too far in some respects like just this gross story this guy was telling but it kind of fit in with the rest of it I didn't mind it and I actually found the comic uh, pretty fun
0: I've got it I just
1: haven't read it yet
0: so we'll see
1: I I don't think it's going to be a Roger comic but uh, that's all I have this week
0: okay did you read Black Panther I did and I don't know (laughs) I'll tell you what I do know, because i felt the same way initially. But what it is, I think, is, and they make a point of saying this too, especially in the, uh, the letter section, is that I'm going to go with Coates here. Mr. Coates, while well, being a brilliant writer, is not a comic book writer. Mm-hmm. So this is his first foray into writing comic books. And at points, you can really tell. At points, the, the pacing is just way off and kind of bounces around in a manner that I'm not crazy about. So while the story has potential and I like some of what they're doing, especially for the, with the two women going rogue kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you got the invading, well, let's call it state, whatever the hell it is group. Like there's a lot of really interesting things that are, um, that are going to be different than traditional set in the U S comics. So we're going to have a nice international flair to it. And, and again, there's, there's elements of this that I, I really dig and, and elements that are fairly intelligent as well. Again, sticking to your principles and not taking the easy route when it comes even to your own people who are on trial for different things and, and whatnot. So again, a lot of cool stuff. It's just, I'm not, I, you, he has to settle into a a rhythm and understand yeah. more the pacing for comics. But I think once he nails that, this might be really quite good. Uh, oh, it, I'm it, looking forward to seeing where it's going.
1: Yeah, it absolutely has a ton of potential. But yeah, it's like you said, the storytelling was just a little awkward. Like it, there, there's good stuff there. I just it's it's not there yet.
0: No. No, definitely not. We're not for the strength of the writer otherwise. And the fact that it's a character that we've both been clamoring for a good series Mm -hmm. on, I, I might give up on it. But it's like, no, I'm willing to give you some time to settle in, especially understanding that this is new for him as well.
1: What I really like is going into this, we obviously expected this comic to have a message. And most people were assuming it would be something in, along the lines of race relations because, well, it's the Black Panther. It's kind of what you do. Yeah. But he twisted that and made it more of a story about gender roles in society, yep. which I find fascinating and I'm all on board for. Yep. They, you use a character that everybody expects you to do racial commentary with and instead you take a left turn and go in a different direction. That's ballsy.
0: Yep. Yep. So did you read uh, Grizzly Shark? What? You didn't even see this. This is uh, Ryan Otley. No. The artist who put this out now, and it's called Grizzly Shark, and it's a uh, image. <laughs> he did the story and the art. See, what's, <laughs> what's ironic is that this is the same kind of thing as what we were just talking about with Black Panther, wherein... Oddly, is primarily an artist and now is writing this and you're going, you don't quite have the pacing right and you don't quite have the flow. And that'll no doubt come with time or it could just be a preference of how he writes as well. But that's how I took it. As I'm reading it, I'm going, the yeah, the flow is kind of off. You can tell that he's again, uh, an artist, not a writer, but this is the craziest friggin' shit I've read in a long, long time. Long time.
1: <laughs> on one hand, that's saying a lot. On the other hand, it's called Grizzly Shark.
0: <laughs> Which is what drew me to it. I was like, what the hell? Because you see a shark fin going through foliage and there's like blood on a, on a leaf. And I'm going like, what the hell is this? And then you look at what's going on inside and it is <laughs> – if stuff in Invincible looks like really quite bloody and and such, nothing compared to some of these panels, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of saying a lot. But I think that's pretty much the point of this is to just kind of shock. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous, quirky, and funny I don't know how long I'd stick with it, but it was fun to read. Okay. Old Man Logan. Yes. He ain't putting up with no crap from Old Man Rogers. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that, especially when he's saying, do I have your word? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He is going to keep. Coming after you, Rogers. Come on, clue in. So yeah, it, it, it was not quite as good as the other ones, the the earlier issues. But that's just because not quite as much happens here until it, it, it the end. It
1: felt short, just because like yeah, like you said, there there was less goings on.
0: Yeah, but I mean, once he sees what happens to himself, and this is this answers our question. I, of I told you yeah. how this ties into. What's going on in Extraordinary? This basically leads to issue one of Extraordinary. So that was kind of cool. Although-
1: It shows the, the change in the character and why he's who we see now.
0: Not enough in my opinion. No. He still is pretty moody and brooding in this, whereas he's eh, just grouchy in a funny kind of way in Extraordinary. So not quite enough, but it makes me curious to see where they're going to go with this now though. Yeah. Next issue should be uh, pretty pivotal. Yeah. And uh, lastly, did you read the uh, Spider-Man number three? Yeah. After the big deal about color and whatnot. And- I, I figured it out. This is the exact
1: same thing Bendis pulled with the whole M-Day thing. Or not M-Day, M-Word thing. Remember that? How it was a huge deal and it took like a year to like finally explain it through the character? He did the same friggin' thing here mm, you know. where he made this big, you know, controversial statement and then just forgot about it for a while it it really bugs me
0: i just didn't like this because i didn't think it was any good i i really just didn't think mm-hmm. any part of it was good his interactions with his grandmother were ridiculous and the thought fa- i mean the father's interaction with his mother-in-law made a little bit more sense um but yeah it just wasn't that good but inserting gold balls at the end was i thought that was the best part of the issue. Funny, and it'll be interesting to see, especially him and Geng. I have together. never been happier. <laughs> yeah, but the whole stuff with Felicity Hammerhead, the um the whole bit, like I said, with his family, even the stuff with uh, Ms. Marvel was like, eh, really not that. Whatever. I, I, I wasn't crazy about it.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, every comic, every once in a while, is going to have an issue where nothing really happens. It's kind of inconsequential, but. The timing of it, right after everything that happened in issue two, just made it fall super flat.
0: Yeah, really, really quickly. We had been putting off watching Legends of the Tomorrow. Legends of the Tomorrow. My God, <laughs> yes, I'm that old. Um, a because my that's that. It started when my wife was gone for a month there helping her brother in law, and then when she came back, we were busy getting caught up on all the other shows and yak yak yak. And we we finally sat down and started. Watching and we're actually caught up now on that one, and I, I doubt very much you've watched any, right? Not at all. So, I mean, you know the premise, though, right? Yes. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's taking—it's it, a show I probably would watch if it was on at a different time. Yeah. Well, it's one of those wherein it's taking a lot of the characters that we're not crazy about in their own the the the, the original shows, and then shove them all in here, most of them from Arrow. So. I kind of, that's why I also wasn't in a rush to watch it because I was thinking, "Eh, I don't know how much I'll I'll actually like it. You do get to enjoy the characters more as the series does progress. They're still not spectacular, but I mean, you do enjoy them more as the show goes on. Uh, But I mean, this is a level of campiness that is really hard to quantify like to to put as as an example for other shows like this is like at point 60s era batman kind of campiness just just it's filmed a lot better but at its root <laughs> it is just as campy and i mean it's again it's still fun to watch mainly because again it's a superhero show and we like those. There's elements that are good but I I it's still nowhere near as strong as say again Flash and, and Arrow. So, but yeah, so that's it. That.
1: Well then, this week's new releases from Marvel got a solid lineup this week. A Force number 4, All New All Different Avengers number 8, Amazing Spider-Man number 10, Darth Vader 19, Guardians of the Galaxy 7. Because nobody asked for it. Gwenpool, number one. I saw that. What the hell? Come on. I give up. I give up. Hercules, number six, Mockingbird, number two, Moon Knight gets his new series with his number one, Rocket Raccoon and Groot, number four, Web Warriors, six and Weird World, five. From DC, we have the best comic, Batman Teenage Mutant Turtles, number five. We also have Gotham Academy, number 17, and we've reached complete and total God help us oversaturation with Harley Quinn and her gang of Harleys, number one. Image, thankfully we get autumn lands number 10 deadly class number 20 monstrous number five and pretty deadly number nine and finally from valiant to the adventures of archer and armstrong number two and wrath of the eternal warrior number six so that's going to wrap us up here at comic book informer as always you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on twitter at Informer. and until next week thanks for listening
0: sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast. Did you see the new trailer for Suicide Squad? I did. I watched it and went, what just happened? (laughs) Did anything actually happen in that no. trailer?
1: No, it's going to be two hours of nothing happening, but it's going
0: to be explosions and jokes and <laughs> and miles better than Batman versus Superman. That is the shit. That's the funniest about this of the two shows. It's going to be the Suicide Squad that we're going to go. Eh, that was pretty good. <laughs> a,
1: a two and a half minute
0: trailer had more fun in it than a two and a half
1: hour movie. <laughs>